Welcome back to Mothering Earth and the pursuit of information about sustainable living. I'm Salwa Khan. Today we're all about keyhole gardens. What is a keyhole garden? It's a type of garden bed in which you can plant intensively, water less, and use kitchen scraps for a continuing supply of compost that feeds the bed and the plants. Think of an apple pie with one wedge-shaped piece cut out. Now imagine looking down at the pie from above. That shape is what a keyhole garden looks like. The keyhole garden bed is circular, generally six feet in diameter, and it can have walls that are three or four feet high. When you build it, you create a pie-shaped wedge called the keyhole cut out from the circle. Near the keyhole is a circular wire cylinder that goes all the way down to the bottom of the bed. This is what's called the kitchen basket, and that's where your garden scraps will go. The benefits of keyhole gardens, they tend to conserve water, and they have their own compost source from the kitchen basket that leaches nutrients out into the soil. Depending on how high the walls are, it is also easier to plant and harvest without bending or stooping. I found an amazing woman, Dr. Deb Tolman, who's an expert in keyhole gardens, and in this conversation she shares her extensive knowledge. We're here today to talk about keyhole gardens with Deb Tolman, who is an expert on the topic. She has a video about building a keyhole garden, but today we want to talk about why we might want to build such a garden. But first, I'd like to introduce you, and, or actually have you introduce yourself. So can you tell uh, our listeners something about yourself? I'm uh, Deb Tolman. I have a PhD in environmental uh, systems or environmental sciences and resources and geography um, from Portland State. And I have a number of other degrees. Uh, I was considered a fickle woman at the time that I was looking for what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so I have a number of very broad degrees. And and I'm a gardener, a passionate gardener, and I run a business, uh, Avon Gardens, which is a design business for gardening. And um, I'm a co-founder for the Silo Project, which is sustainable information and learning opportunities, which does sustainable workshops. Okay, and tell me something about the different workshops that you conduct. Well, um, there are some workshops I won't conduct because they don't fit into my rubric of what sustainable is. Um, for instance, I won't do a canning workshop because I don't think that that is, I think that requires more energy than what I think is sustainably comfortable. But I will do an aquaponics workshop. I do uh, cob oven workshops. The keyhole gardens fall into that. Tie jars, those are considered sustainable because they use a third of the amount of cement uh, normally required for structural integrity, and they're, they're water vessels. Gray water recapture, um, a chicken well, processing workshop. Tell me about, now you said uh, they don't fit your definition of sustainable. Can you give me your definition? Yeah, for the longest time I would use, you have to simplify when you're in the classroom. So I would simplify sustainability to an equation. Human needs equal 
nature's needs. And so you can, a human could do anything or society can do anything as long as we aren't upsetting the balance of nature. Now, that is too simplistic right now because you actually have three legs or three facets of sustainability. You have an economic leg of the stool, if you will. You have um, a social uh, leg and then you have the environment. And so all three of those have to be in some sort of balance so that you aren't causing a detriment for future generations. So the, the, a canning workshop would, would require too many BTUs or too many kilowatts. Um, it's a lot of work for what the product is, a lot of use of energy. Um, now you said uh, a cob, you mentioned the, the substance cob. Mm -hmm. Can you tell mm -hmm. us what that is? Yes, cob is, think of adobe. Cob is straw, sand, clay, and water, and it's, uh, it's a great thermal mass. In other words, when the sun hits it, it stores heat. And so that's part of your, your whole sustainable program. So the, the keyhole gardens were probably the first, the first impetus behind sustainable projects because I had no soil. I needed soil, and also I needed a way to recycle. And so while I might be, I don't call myself an expert in keyhole gardens because those have been used by far many more people than me in places where desertification is a problem, but I would call myself an expert in the filling process, and that is recycling at the same time that you are hot composting at the same time that you are growing. That is a trick, and it's particularly a trick here in Central Texas. But it's great in terms of the drought. It's great in terms of getting excellent compost. The product from those gardens is amazing. You get, you know, zucchini leaves are big, right? Well, in a, in a keyhole garden, they're twice as big. Because for the first time, your plant's roots have compost, real compost. And the moisture holding capacity because of all the cardboard is huge. Now, you said the uh, idea for keyhole gardens came from areas that are largely desert. They were uh, missionaries from the UK, would, and still do, go to Africa, different uh, countries in Africa, to help uh, the locals with problems of desertification. So while they have great soil, they don't have a lot of it because they're having to cultivate it for other things. And the, des the desert is creeping, so you've got the creep, uh, the desert creeping as well. So. Yes, so they are in a confined area using a keyhole garden to grow vegetables. And now, so they don't have to recycle, though, right. but they do use the kitchen scraps for the center, so we're sort of getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we? <laughs> so are, are you saying this is something the missionaries came up with uh, to teach the people that were there? Mm -hmm. And all they do is they just do a six-foot diameter circle out of stones with a keyhole access to the kitchen basket, and then the locals will use the kitchen basket for their produce, but they'll also take soapy water and put it in the middle as well. And so I just developed that because I had no soil. You already mentioned, I think, some of the reasons why we might want to build a keyhole garden. Uh, but let's go through the whole laundry list of what the advantages of a keyhole garden are for us. Do we have time? <laughs> well, first of all, you're recycling. Cardboard is the big one, but there's also junk mail. There's, there's phone books. I prefer that people reduce their junk mail at the post office, but we got to give the post people a job, right? <laughs> so, but anyway, there's what you can use in them. Coffee grounds, uh, all the green, the brown to green ratio. S so you're making 
you're, you're recycling, you're composting, you're actually making use, you're building soil, the best kind of soil, soil with drainage, which is huge. We can attribute a lot of the problems that we have in agriculture to not having porous soil. It's compacted. There's no air. Well, roots first and foremost need air, and you get lots of air in the keyhole gardens. There's the moisture retention uh, aspect of it. Um, there's a hydrologic aspect to it. Once you mound the top of this keyhole garden up to the, cent the kitchen basket, now all of a sudden you have pathways for water movement that you normally don't have in a flat plain. And you can cover them with, with shade cloth, which for here, it's a big stress for our plants to grow during the summer here. Is, is there also something that, uh, that you, I mean, that it can be a smaller space that you use to no. garden, or is that not? No, it needs to be six feet in diameter. Okay. The wall height is arbitrary. I usually tell folks around the country, well, actually in Denmark and Africa, I've been getting emails from folks in Africa, but the wall height is arbitrary. Mm -hmm. But if you, it depends on what your pressure, your predatory pressure is, armadillo, raccoon, rabbits, that kind of thing. But if you get at least a two-foot high wall, now you have mass in a six-foot diameter circle. You have to have at least a cubic yard of mass to be able to hot compost. Oh, okay. Okay. So you wouldn't want to do a one-foot high. If you want to subscribe to my filling method, you need to have it at least two feet high to get that cubic yard out to rot all your material and turn it into compost. I've seen your video in which you go through step-by-step step how to build the keyhole garden, but can you describe that process uh, pretty much in the same manner here? Yes. Um, well, I, th I think I can. Um, <laughs> you start with a dumpster's load of cardboard, a dumpster's worth, flattened cardboard. And then from there, you determine what a third of that is. And that is your green component, okay? So the cardboard is your brown, and you need a third of that as green. So that's a three-to-one ratio. Then I tell folks, so, so organize everything around yourself. And then I tell folks, order doesn't matter. It's all got to go in there, but it has to go in there in terms of thin layers and it has to be compacted and it has to be wet. So now you're stomping in that thing, you're, you're wetting all of that. There's a lot of water used in the very beginning, but uh, that will pay off for what you need later. Well, let's go back to the beginning though. Because, first of all, we have to build... Oh, that's right. We have to build wall. We have to build our structures. The basic structure is cinder block because it's easy and it's inexpensive. And you use that in a running bond uh, so that you get a little structural integrity. And it has a keyhole access to the kitchen basket, which is in the center. You don't have to have that keyhole. I actually have been building some without it so that I can utilize more surface area. But I find every time I do, then I, I, I'm shooting myself in the foot. I wish I'd had a keyhole access to get to that basket. But anyway, so the outer wall is an arbitrary height, but the kitchen basket needs to be one foot higher than the finished height of your outside wall. And that is so that you use that as a template to mound up your last six inches worth of soil or compost or rotted manure. Describe what this basket is. It's just a foot diameter, and that's for ease 
uh, in getting into it. It can be made of chicken wire. I now make them out of hardware cloth because if you get the points up, the raccoons won't get in there because it'll cut them. It's too, it's stout. It's a little sturdier. And so this is what goes in, not in the center of the garden, but towards one of the sides. No, it is in the center. If you can, yeah, but, but if you've got an keyhole, then obviously it's going to be right up against the keyhole on one side. So you, the, tr the trick is you don't want three feet, you don't want a distance of more than three feet between the edge of the basket and the wall. So that'll be your gauge, right? But obviously on the keyhole aspect side, it'll be right up against the keyhole. Okay, so let's say we built our structure pretty much. Do you put the basket in before you put the cardboard and other stuff? Or? I put one layer of cardboard down and a layer around the inside of the wall, and then I put the kitchen basket in. Yeah, and I start filling it with cardboard as well, you know, mulch, whatever you have. I saw you were using uh, a lot of printed materials. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I use so printed material. Talk about that. What kinds of printed mm -hmm. materials? I often get folks ask about the printed material. Um, one, we've been using uh, soy-based inks for a very long time, 30 years. Um, but the other is um, I've used the worst of inks, I'm sure. Uh, those real estate magazines are pretty thick and waxy. And I've never seen any backlash from that at all. And in fact, your plants will tell you. If you're, you know, the, the beauty of these things being uh, so that you don't have to bend over to garden is you can you can spot or you can observe anything that's wrong with your plants in a heartbeat. And if they're taking up anything that is toxic to them, you'll see it. It displays in the plant pretty quickly. Okay. So I think what you're saying is any kind of, pretty much any kind of printed material, any kind of cardboard, mm -hmm. no matter what kind of tapes it has on it. Tapes. Now, we could never be certified organic as a keyhole gardener because the tapes on cardboard is considered oh, pretty toxic. But that said, um, I've decommissioned two or three keyhole gardens, and of there's tape on all cardboard. There just is. That said, I only liberated, uh, you know, two or three pieces of tape out of each keyhole garden. So somebody is digesting that tape. Pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so before you put the cardboard in, though, you have to make sure it's wet. So what's what's a good way? So to I do fill that? a trough. A, it, it just a trough that you can put all big chunky pieces of cardboard in. I fill that with water and I dunk it uh, in that. Dunk the cardboard in. It takes about five seconds to saturate. And then you just pick it up and slop it into the keyhole garden. Okay, so now we're layering and we've got, mm -hmm. let's say, a foot of a foot of cardboard before we start putting some soil in? Thin layers. Thin layers. Thin layers. So key thing is we need, we need air spaces, not air gaps. So order doesn't matter, but I always start with cardboard first and line the sides. And now, so just get one layer, one, you know, two pieces of cardboard at best, and then start your next layer of something. It could be another brown, but it's something. Now in the lower part of the profile, I use thicker stuff um, because it's going to take longer for the microbes, the biology to work down in there. And so it'll take longer for it to be compost. So use thicker chunks of mulch or use um, uh, twigs that are about, I don't know, three quarters of an inch in diameter is about as big as I use. But um, So what are, what are some other materials? Now you can use leaves? I have a list of them on my uh, website. Yes, uh, dried leaves would be brown. Green leaves would be greens. Um, anything. Grass clippings. Anything. Brush. The only, the only caveat is with grass clippings, 
sawdust and uh, horse manure that's aged or donkey manure, horse manure particularly, um, the, the caveat there is that it is so fine that you will tend to lose oxygen out of it. It'll become anaerobic. And so you want to be careful about that. Grass clippings, you know, if you just have a bundle of them, they get hot pretty quickly. So you're overheating. Composition, decomposition is happening pretty quickly. So you quickly. want to sprinkle those. That's right. And then... That's right. And just a thin sprinkling and then another layer of cardboard. Thin sprinkling, another layer of cardboard. And all those, you know, there's lots of different options of the browns and greens. It depends on where you are. If you're in the city, you have more options. If you're rural, you have more options. You know, it's different. Um, but I, there's an exhaustive list. Um, you do want to always question the source of your manures. So I wouldn't go to a veterinary clinic to get my horse manure. <laughs> right, right. Because of what the animals might be right, in right. Because we're creating a biology, a soup, a microbiological soup, and so if you've got wormers and you know antibiotics in there, right. you want to try and avoid that. Okay. Um, so now we built uh, we built it up to pretty much the top, and so now when we get to at what point do we add the soil? Right. So imagine imagine a line from the top of the kitchen basket to the top of the outside wall. Okay, so that's going to be, you're, you're mounding up to Mount Vesuvius, right? S drop back about six inches and leave six inches for a good benign soil or a potting soil. Um, old compost. Uh, I have used donkey manure before. If you know how aged, you know, and it tends to be um, not quite so fine, that would work. Uh, rabbit manure, um, stay away from the hot stuff, because you're going to take your transplants, and you're just going to give them that six inches to get started. And then the roots will do the rest. That's, so I've been learning a lot. I try to do these things differently and wrongly, wrongly all the time. Every time I build one, I do something wrong. One time I inoculated one with fire ants to see if I could figure out how to get rid of them. Coffee grounds, it's great. It doesn't kill them, it just moves them out. Yeah. Um, lots of mulch also helps. Um, I've done one in plexiglass now. And the, the decomposition is not from the top down like I thought it was. It's not from the bottom up. I said that opposite. It's not from the bottom up like I thought it was. It's from the top down. Mm -hmm. So that implicates the roots. The root system itself is starting to break things down, mm -hmm. creating air passages, water passages, and obviously critters. Outstanding. So what we're doing is we're mounding it up to, uh, like you described, like a Mount Vesuvius. So that's something for everyone to picture is that so you're going up, you're sloping mm -hmm. down from the basket to the edges of the that's right. inside of that That's right. Garden. So that would probably take, if you went to the landscape supply place and bought soil, you would probably need about a cubic yard of soil. So it's six inches all the way around that six-foot diameter. Right. And then what are we uh, going to put in the basket? What's the purpose? So the basket, you know, if you're building a new keyhole garden, which we should talk about when to build it. Right. Um, if you're building a new keyhole garden, 
you won't have enough kitchen scraps to fill that whole thing. So fill it, what I, I fill it as I'm filling the keyhole garden with other stuff. Newspaper that's wet, um, old leaves, branches down in the bottom, cardboard, you know, whatever you can to get about half or three quarters of the way up and then save that last part for the kitchen scraps. Okay, so then you're gonna put your kitchen, so when we're talking about kitchen scraps, we're talking about vegetable peelings, eggshells, coffee grounds. Avocado pits. Pits, mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of Everything. stuff, but no meats, no, no animal products. Right. right. Well, I put dairy in mine. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you do have to watch out. What you have to watch out for who you're going to invite to your keyhole garden. Right. You know, and especially if you have raccoons in the area, they'll they'll ravage the plants getting to the basket, or rats for that matter. That's another thing. You know, rats. Most of those animals are attracted to the overly anaerobic part of decomposition. So you need to be very savvy about what the consistency of that kitchen basket needs to be. If it's overly wet, it's going to be anaerobic, and that's going to invite critters because it's going to stink. You just need to put more paper in, put more browns in. Um, if it's sitting there and it's dry and it's not doing anything, well, you're, then your plants probably aren't going to get much either, so you need to wet it. Yeah. Or put more green, you know, right. stuff in it. And, and, and the, bas- the kitchen scraps are 95% water. So what you're doing is you're basically watering it. Right. Fertilizing is, you don't, yeah, it's perfect fertilizer, so. Um, and then uh, brings up watering. How do you water your keyhole garden? Yeah, so after that initial, you have to be uh, observing your plants when you transplant them. So let's say, so that's the other, other trick to this I've found. So the thin layering is certainly a trick. Don't make each layer overly thick. So what is thin layering? I guess thin layer like one or two layers of cardboard, okay? And judge everything by that, with the exception of the grass clippings. Thin layers, but you have to pack all these layers down. So you have to jump in this thing because you don't want air gaps. And I mean, we when we do the workshops, we have two people in there at least stomping around the entire time. Uh, especially around the edges, because the edges seem to get decomposed quickly, which is another reason for lining the cardboard up along the edge. You're drawing the critters in. Um, so, so pack it down real tightly. The other thing is you have to plant it the day you finish layering it. Because all that water that you've put in it, you want to preserve. You don't want to lose it. And one day of sunlight, even if it's not 95 degrees, you're going to lose water. So by packing it, you're providing a green mulch layer. Now, I also mulch on top of that. So what I do is I tell folks, you have all those plants ready for when we finish. So if it's tomatoes, 70 tomatoes at least, uh, in one keyhole garden, if it's 70, if it's not tomatoes, then you need to have at least 100 plants of other varieties because their leaf area is not going to be full enough to shade you. Now you have to watch for the watering because these are transplants, they're not established, so you've got to get them going. So you're going to require some water. But a fully mulched keyhole garden that is fully packed with plants and is established really can get by with one 55-gallon drum of water a month on drip. Part of that is the cardboard. Part of that is the compost. Compost is amazing in terms of holding moisture. 
And it's something we don't have. When you uh, start to build one, you have to be cognizant of when you're going to do it because this is a hot compost pile that gets up to 140 degrees. Well, now all of a sudden, if it's 102 degrees outside, you don't want a cooking compost pile. I mean, your plants will just, you'll know it. They'll start to turn yellow. So um, the literature says that you can reduce that temperature pretty effectively by increasing the cardboard component by double. Now, asking people to collect two dumpsters load worth of cardboard is a little bit of a How are you going to pack that in? So now what you have to do, or the way you work that math, clearly you don't have a math background, Salva. No, I don't. <laughs> is you cut the volume of manure. So, so if you use less manure, yeah. now it becomes a trick. So now, so now if you've only got half as much of the small one-third of manure, now you have to think through the eyes of a little critter, a, a roly-poly or whoever does the decomposing. Where do I want to sprinkle that small amount of manure such that the critters will come to that area to eat? Okay, uh, maintenance. What's the maintenance? How do you maintain your keyhole garden? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> and is that one of the beauties of it? Uh, very, well, yes and no. I mean, they're easier to maintain until I start putting bed springs on the top of mine for shade or rebar, you know, right. and that kind of thing. It's kind of hard to reach in there to put stuff in your But house. I guess what I meant was, are you ever adding more soil? Yes. Adding, yeah. Yes. Within two weeks, the whole level drops about a foot or more. And that means that's the signal that you are cooking. That's great. And if you have a soil thermometer, it's great for people to see what the, put a probe in there and measure in different places where the heat is. It'll be, it'll change. It'll also spike and then it'll come back down and it'll spike again and come back down. Um, so yes, it will drop. And what I do then, well, so, so I've, I've done nothing in most of mine, because I don't have the time. And when you do nothing, what happens is the whole keyhole garden acts like a giant pot. When you've let a pot dry out, what happens? It shrinks. It shrinks. The soil shrinks, right. And then what happens is now when you put the hose on it, because you didn't put any kitchen scraps in it, now it just goes down between the wall and the solid root ball, right? So, yeah, you want to pack you want to keep packing stuff. And what I do is as I see it shrinking, you know, the other thing is I can't eat enough kitchen scraps for 15 keel gardens. I just can't. So mine start to shrink. And as soon as they start to shrink, then I start to put things like normally I wouldn't put in the keyhole garden a lot of sawdust. Now I'm going to put a lot of sawdust in that gap around the edge or a lot of more, a lot more cardboard or wood chips or big, big, thick real estate magazines. So since it requires, it seems to require less maintenance, can you go on vacation in July for two weeks and not worry about your keyhole garden? I would if it was covered. If it was covered. And if you had a lot of mulch. Mm-hmm. So when you say covered, uh, can you tell? Sure. Um, covered with uh, frost-free cover, the white stuff, or a shade cloth or something like that, or umbrellas. So you're building some kind of structure over the garden. Rebar. And then draping. I use rebar, uh, 3 8 inch rebar, but the, the gambit's out there. It, you could use anything. Some people just put a center stake, a center uh, mm -hmm. umbrella holder in the kitchen basket and then put the umbrella over that. And then you could drape stuff around the side of the umbrella. You know, umbrella <laughs> look pretty funky, but... Um, 3 8 inch rebar bends real easily 
and then you can just run that down the sides of your uh, wall. All right. Okay. Well, we've learned a lot about keyhole gardening. Um, can you tell us, uh, you, you mentioned earlier your website. What's the address? It's uh, debtolman.com. When you go to my website, you will see the silo project, sustainable information and learning opportunities. But then there are tabs under uh, that picture. You can go to the store and you can see the DVD. Uh, underneath the trailer, if you scroll down, there is a, a companion field guide that helps with getting started on the keyhole garden. It lists browns and greens. It gives a schematic of the keyhole garden itself, dimensions, how many block to buy, that kind of thing. Okay. All right. Well, uh, just wanted to thank you very much for uh, for this conversation. I've learned a lot about keyhole gardening, um, and uh, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Get more information on keyhole gardening on Dr. Deb's website, debtolman.com. And come back next time for more on Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'll see you next time.